sex talk. Derek and Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sexist isn't good enough. No. Sex talk. With Derek and Miley. Hey, folks. Welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. I'm happy to have a guest with me today. Leanne, would you mind introducing yourself? Yes. Hi, Erica. Thanks for inviting me to be here. My name is Leanne Townsend, and I am a family lawyer and divorce coach in Toronto. And my um, business consists of helping uh, clients, you know, through the the family law divorce process. But I've also built up a coaching business focused on divorce coaching. It can be pre-divorce coaching, divorce management, and then my favorite program, which is the divorce recovery, which is helping people move forward after the devastating effects of divorce. I just think this is so amazing. And if anybody wants to follow Leanne on Instagram, you should definitely do it because I I love her Instagram. But I think it's amazing just the idea. I see couples all the time. I deal with couples either before divorce or right after divorce. And this is such a needed area. Yes, it's it's devastating. I, you know, it, I've read research, and you know, they list it as you know one of life's most stressful events. I think it comes after death of a spouse, and I think people have a tendency sometimes to underestimate how stressful it can be because they might want the divorce, and it's even stressful if you wanted the divorce. So, I think people do need more support in a lot of cases. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you decide to become, um, to work in the area of divorce law? How did you, how did you make that decision? I spent many years as a crown attorney. So I was prosecuting people charged with criminal offenses and I developed a specialty in domestic violence. And I did that for over 16 years. And I was getting kind of burnt out from it and looking for something different to do. And so I started, you know, considering what other areas of law would I want to practice? Would I want to do criminal defense? And I decided I didn't want to do criminal defense, but I liked um, the area of family law. I, pr- I seem to gravitate more towards the areas of law that are people oriented as opposed to paper or document oriented, although family law does have a lot of documents. And I went through, I'd gone through my own divorce as well and was aware firsthand how devastating it can be and and the challenges that come up with it. And I wanted to help people going through it and try it from a different approach of being with more, not to say that other lawyers don't have empathy and compassion, lots of them do, but I think the process itself is a bit cold and it doesn't take into account all the supports that people need. So I came up with this concept of more of a holistic approach to divorce. And, you know, I felt there was a need for it, even from my own experience and from friends. So I decided to develop that area. That's just absolutely awesome. I I can definitely hear how how your experiences and how much your experience in work have evolved your your kind of view of of what is needed out here in the world. So, how did you use those experiences to really develop and curate creating your coaching programs and some of the events you do? Well, a lot of it came from just my own personal experience. And then, you know, I got additional training and certifications and coaching and, and then just stuff I knew with my, my friends as well. But I knew myself how, you know, I was married 
10 years together with my ex-husband for 12. And, you know, the divorce was the right thing. I'm certainly, you know, in a much happier place now than I was in the relationship, but it was still very difficult to go through. And it just saw more friends going through divorce and talking to other people. Again, it just seemed that there was a need for more support. And then when I started actually with my practice in this area, I got such positive response to the the approach I had decided to use. And, you know, when people saw, you know, whether they saw me on social media or they, you know, heard about me somewhere, they just seemed so receptive to the whole idea. And and even just people I know who had already been through a divorce and they heard what I was doing and they, they, you know, they had said to me, Leanne, that is so needed. So it kind of reinforced for me, it felt, I felt like, okay, I'm on to something here. I think there really is a need for this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, we've seen some in the media, people kind of, I'm sure, joke about this, like the uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's conscious (laughs) uncoupling with her husband. But I think as much as they came up with that word, but there's still what you're talking about is so necessary. The fallout from if the folks have kids or just the emotional toll the entire process takes, it does need a softer touch. It, It really, really does. Well, and that's the thing. I think people sort of come out of the gates. They're angry. They're emotional. You know, they have this mentality, I want to get him or I want to get her. And they hire the first lawyer that, you know, they've been referred to or that the first name they were given. And they just want to come out guns a-blazing. And with that approach, it ends up making it more adversarial than maybe it needed to be and often ends up costing them a lot more money in legal fees than it could have because of that style of approach. And that's with with the coaching programs, one of the things I talk to people about is like, you've got to remove the emotion from the legal process. I mean, you need to process the emotion and deal with it and, and have, whether it's with a therapy or coaching and that sort of thing. But you shouldn't be using your lawyer as a therapist and you shouldn't be making legal decisions based on emotions. In the therapy room, that's what I see a lot, right? Is that that fire and fury and I need to win this interaction. And and so some of those are some of the major themes. I mean, obviously anger, but what else do you see as far as major themes regarding like divorce, maybe even in divorce and sex? Are you seeing breakup sex? Like what, what are you seeing as far as people trying to deal and get through that process as well? Well, I, there's probably some breakup sex out there, but um, I don't necessarily, I certainly have any, had any clients tell me you know, that they've engaged in any, but I do think sex is very closely tied to marital breakup and, and divorce. I find I'm always shocked. You think I wouldn't be at this point, but by the number of people who come into my office and we start chatting and, you know, we're trying to establish a date of separation. And one of the factors that goes into that is, you know, are you still intimate? When, when did you stop being intimate? And the number of people who are married and it's been three years, five years, seven years, and they have not had sex with their spouse. They're not in the same bed. They haven't had sex in years and they've lived like that. It is mind boggling because I, I, I found that I find it really surprising how prevalent that is. And, you know, and you always hear, I mean, you would be far more aware of this than I, but how sex is a really good gauge on a relationship and how healthy a relationship is. So that could be why I'm hearing from all these people who haven't had sex in years, because their relationship is definitely not healthy. 
right? That anecdotal evidence that we get, okay, A plus B, <laughs> maybe C. Yes. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, I do want to jump back to some of your, you had mentioned that your, your earlier work in domestic violence and how, how has that kind of shaped your development of these programs and the, you as an attorney, how did that kind of shape your views overall? Well, I think it's a big part of the supports that I give. I, this is, when I was a prosecutor, I got an enormous amount of training, um, education, and then just obviously personal experience with it. And, you know, I myself was in a relationship that had elements of abuse. It wasn't physically abusive, but there were some other types of abuse that went on. And so I come at it from having been a victim of it and then also, you know, as a professional. And, you know, it's it's more common than we realize sometimes. And there's a lot of stereotypes and judgments surrounding people for staying in those relationships and not leaving. And I understood firsthand why people stay. I find that a lot of the, particularly the women who are, you know, drawn to me as clients, they, they know that I have that background because they are going through that themselves. They particularly feel connected to me and, and the things I'm saying and, and what I'm offering because it relates to what they're going through. Absolutely. I, I imagine being able to meet with an attorney that really, an attorney coach that really understands what it is like to have those dynamics within a relationship. I'm sure that is absolutely invaluable to the folks you, you work with. If you had to like think about some of those first things that you would say to a client or somebody that wants to make a phone call to somebody like you, maybe what are some of the first things they should consider? Well, first they should consider whether the marriage is salvageable. I mean, they, you know, couples therapy and things like that, because it is expensive both emotionally and financially to end a marriage. And it's, should definitely be a well thought out decision, not just, you know, in the heat of the moment, because you're mad at somebody. So I mean, that's certainly something people should look at is, you know, is this marriage salvageable? Have we tried therapy? Have we tried other things? And you know, if the answer is, you know what, yes, we tried all that, it's not working, I, I want out. With the coaching, one of the things I look at with people is like, what do they need to prepare in terms of getting their, their financial stuff in order? And what documents do they need? Because it's better to try and gather that type of information before you've started talking about divorce, because once that word is out there, the other person might start hiding stuff, or it might be more difficult to, to get the stuff together. The other thing I work with people is what, what do they need in terms of legal supports? At some point, usually most people need a lawyer, even if it's just to sign off, you know, independent legal advice on a separation agreement. But, you know, mediation is a great alternative for lots of couples. So, you know, maybe that's going to be an approach that works, or maybe they need a collaborative lawyer. They need a lawyer that's, you know, good at resolving and negotiating. Some people need a pit bull uh, lawyer, you know, that there's cases where it's, that's called but not, you know, the image I think is the pit bull lawyer and not every case calls for that. People need to kind of assess their own needs and what's going to make the most sense because at the end of the day, they want to get a good result in terms of protecting themselves, but they also don't want to spend hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees if there's ways that that could have been avoided. Yeah. As you were talking, I was just like, this is very much like what you had said at the beginning, very similar to death in that there's all of these plans and preparations that have to go into effect and all of these 
things you have to track and pay attention to. I imagine having someone like you is really, really helpful throughout that process, but also then allows you, because when I've worked with folks, especially that are in the midst of some of those really, really tough emotions, you're not thinking about the paperwork you need to gather. You're not thinking about all of those things that you're going to miss. So what would you say are some of the first mistakes folks make when they're when they start down this path? You know, there's a couple sort of directions they can go in because people do, they get overwhelmed with it, particularly people who are not financial types. They're, they weren't the one who even handled the finances and now they've got to prepare a detailed financial statement and it's just overwhelming for them. One thing that sometimes happens is people just want the divorce over with. They, they just want to get it over as soon as possible. So in the emotion of that and the kind of avoidance approach to things, they want to just walk away from whatever they might be entitled to just because they want to get it over with. And, you know, so that's a mistake because I'm always saying to people, you got to think, you know, two years out, five years out, 10 years out, you know, you walk away from things that you have a right to, you may regret it. And, you know, in, in, in the heat of the moment, you, you just want to get it over with. But in five years, you may regret that you didn't take that money that you were entitled to. The other big thing is just, you know, going the opposite direction where you're so angry and hostile that you, you know, just, take such an adversarial stance that things deteriorate very quickly and then you're you know you're in court and you're running up huge legal bills and then you come to realize that you know what like this was not necessary um because at the end of the day when it does eventually resolve whether it's you know with a judge's order or something you negotiate if if you look and think well I didn't really get anything different than I was going to get at the beginning you know then you regret taking that approach. And then I was sort of one third area I want to comment on is just the children. Like so many people, unfortunately, they get so caught up in the emotions and their anger at their ex that they put the children in the middle and they bad up the other parent to the child. They tell the children things that children should not, you know, daddy had an affair on mummy where, you know, our family's breaking up because daddy cheated on mummy, like that kind of thing. And, and that's a huge mistake for anybody to do. And people end up doing things like that. And I, I understand. I don't think that's their intention to hurt their children in any way, but they're so overcome with the emotions, they're not thinking clearly. I'm so glad that you brought this up because I think this is probably one of the things that, I mean, when we're in conflict, that fight or flight or freeze takes over, right? And we're not thinking about too many things outside of that. And I notice the families that I work with that have either they have gone through divorce or they're going through divorce. The thing that oftentimes gets put to the side is children. And and, and then it's put until the mediator, the attorney says, oh, hey, you need to make a plan for your children because folks end up being so focused on their anger towards the other person. Yes, and, and they focus on trying to deny the other person time with the children. And, and that's where, you know, I think people have to recognize that everything at mom's house and everything at dad's house isn't going to be exactly the same. You know, maybe dad's not as good with time management. So when the kids are with dad, they're late for school more often than with mom. And maybe dad's not as consistent with meal times or bedtimes or a schedule as mom is. But you know what? It's still important for the children to have that time with dad. And a lot of people get caught up in like the, the minor stuff rather than, you know what, is it the best thing for my children to have a healthy 
quality relationship with the other parent, which includes spending time with them, not just on weekends, but, you know, more often, you know, again, as you say, people just get caught up in thinking they're, they're the better parents. And so they should have the children more. And it's not a competition. It's just about putting the children's interests first. Absolutely. And just it's so well said. Oh, I'm over here. My little pom poms. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So if someone was going to pick up the phone and call you today, what are some of the first things that they should prepare, you think? Well, they should start gathering the financial stuff. I mean, unfortunately, that is like, you know, at the core of a lot of divorces. So, you know, tax returns of their spouse, their own visa statements, bank statements, you know, any sort of investments, debts, credit, you know, all of that, they need to, to start amassing, um, you know, the tax returns, usually we go back here, like here in, in Ontario, we go back three years, it's different in different jurisdictions, but, you know, they need to start amassing that and they need to give some thought to like what their team, like, you know, is maybe their, their team is, is going to involve a lawyer, it you know, may involve a coach, it might involve a therapist, it might involve a, a therapist for the children, you know, they need to give some thought to what supports do they and their children need to, to get through this. I mean, you may need a, you know, financial advisor as part of the team as well, but so there's lots of different elements that need to be looked at. Absolutely. I would love for you if you could give us a, like maybe an overview of one of your recent events. Last week uh, on Friday, I was a speaker at it was uh, Toronto's elite divorce party. And uh, the idea of the, the event was to put a positive spin on divorce and moving forward after divorce. And I think divorce is becoming less stigmatized than it used to be because it's so common. So that was kind of the idea behind the event is, you know, divorce shouldn't have a stigma, like let's be positive and, and look at the positive effects of it. And so I spoke about moving forward with confidence and empowerment after divorce. And there was a panel that spoke about dating after divorce. And uh, there was a mediator who spoke about mediation. And, you know, and then it was like a social, a mix and mingle. And what I thought was nice about this event was just that it had both components. It had an information component, and then it had the social. So some people who might have been uncomfortable just coming out to a, like, in a sense, a singles party might have felt more comfortable because they were coming to listen to the speakers first. And I just thought it was like a a nice combination. I think that's fantastic that trying to create a place for resources, but also create a place where people can socialize and and not feel so alone in this process. Because I imagine a lot of the folks that come to you end up feeling pretty isolated. They do. They, you know, and and sometimes they've burned a lot of their relations with family and friends because if they were in an unhappy marriage for a while and they were always complaining about it and never doing anything sometimes their friends or family got sick of listening to them talk about it and so they feel a little more isolated or you know sometimes they don't want their friends or their family to know all the details of what's gone on either so you know from that standpoint they feel isolated as well so i am loving the things you are doing how do all of the folks listening find you and find the events you're being part of? Well, my website is uh, probably the best place to find out about my programs and events. It's www.leannetownsend.ca. And I have a blog there. I have my event page and I have my services. I'm also on Instagram uh, at Leanne Townsend Life. I'm on Facebook as well, uh, Leanne Townsend Lawyer and Divorce Coach. 
And I am on Twitter, but I'm not as active there. So that's probably not the best place to find me. Fair. I'm the same way. I have Twitter. <laughs> I post some stuff there. but <laughs> Yeah, I think you've got to pick one or two and just stick with those. At least I don't have time to be on all like really active on all of them. So I know. I think it's so true. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, Leanne. And I uh, will make sure all of the things are there in the show notes. And thank you folks for sticking with us to the end. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening, folks. Please rate and review on iTunes. That helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media, and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the gram, and Twitter. See y'all next time.